the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're starting uh, uh, on this Thursday, the 26th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2021. We are now just five days away from an end to U.S. military operations in Afghanistan, a deadline set not by the United States, but by the Taliban. Oh, it was originally set by the United States, and that, of course, is before the butchery of the removal and the evacuation of American citizens, American allies, and American equipment from that terror zone. But because of the botched evacuation of all of those things, now it is up to the Taliban. Joe Biden has said he will not try to push past the August 31st deadline because the Taliban doesn't want him to. And in fact, the Taliban has warned Joe Biden of consequences if he does. Yes, that means that the United States, the mightiest military, the greatest superpower on earth, now takes its orders from a bunch of savage terrorists in the Middle East. There is no other way to look at that. Coming up on the program today, we're going to analyze that. And more. At 9.35, we're going to be speaking with Brett Velikovich. He's a former U.S. Army Special Ops Intelligence Analyst, Delta Force, did multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, specializing in counterterrorism ops and drone strikes. We're going to talk about whether or not drone strikes at select Taliban targets might be required here to get American citizens out and stop, perhaps, the biggest hostage situation in American history. Because according to the U.S. State Department, there's still around 1,500, and that number may be light, but at least 1,500 individuals, Americans, still caught behind enemy lines in Afghanistan, uh, and they are, after the 31st, when U.S. troops, the U.S. troops complete their pullout, uh, they are going to be left at the mercy of the Taliban. 
it is going to be a massive hostage situation. So Brett Velikovich will join us to talk about that at 935. At 1010, 10, we'll get the thoughts of Dr. Everett Piper on that and uh, the erosion of our rights. The erosion of our Constitution here in the United States as the FDA approval, wink, wink, of the Pfizer shot uh, leads to more and more vaccine mandates and simply just, again, the uh, removal of American rights. We'll talk about that with Dr. Piper then at 1035. Local politics for a change. We'll dive into Parma. Peter Krafzik is running for president of the council in Parma, and he's going to join us to talk about the big races there. Ten Republican candidates in Parma this year. That's something that hasn't happened in a very, very long time. So we're going to talk about local politics with Peter Krafzik at 1035. But now, let's start our day, as we always do, with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. Put your hands on your heart. Face your flag if you have one. Enemies of this country, liberal Democrats, don't worry about it. Take your knee. We'll pick up with you after this. For all. That didn't work out very well. How did that get cut? Let's do it again. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all much much better all right we're gonna we're gonna have to dive into this this is what's going on right now you understand right that american citizens who are stuck stranded abandoned in afghanistan have been told by american officials in the embassy get to the airport we can't come into kabul or other parts of Afghanistan to get you, but get to the airport, and we will be able to fly you home. This is what they've said, right? Well, here's what they're saying today. This reported threat of an imminent attack follows a pretty ominous warning coming from the U.S. Embassy. And that warning says this, due to threats outside the Kabul airport, U.S. citizens should avoid traveling to the airport. Those at the Abbey Gate, East Gate, or North Gate now should leave immediately. Now, these frenetic evacuations continue in Kabul, but getting to the airport has remained a huge challenge for American citizens and for Afghans who are hoping to secure a ticket out of the country. And we still don't know how many Americans remain in Afghanistan. I want you to soak that in, all right? Imagine being an American citizen stuck in Afghanistan right now. Maybe you're an embassy worker. Maybe you are a contractor. Whatever reason you're in Afghanistan, you have been told to get to the airport. You've been making your way from point A to point B to C to D to E, trying to dodge and and evade the Taliban everywhere, knowing that you are going to be stopped at every checkpoint. You finally get there. You're waiting outside the gates at the Kabul airport, and the U.S. is telling you, get away, go away, don't come into the airport. There's going to be a terror strike here. What do you do now? Where do you go? Do you just walk over to the Taliban and turn yourself in? What do you do? This is the chaos that is brought to you by Joseph R. Biden and the weakest bastardization of the United States military, perhaps in the history of this great republic. I think they're spinning these numbers, and come Tuesday night, when there are hundreds or thousands of Americans left, they're going to say, well, they didn't want to leave, they wanted to stay there, I guess that's their decision, too bad for them, and we're we're out of here. Uh, because I think Joe Biden knows that there are going to be Americans there, and he once again 
is not taking yeah. responsibility for his disastrous miscalculation. That's Senator Tom Cotton, and Tom Cotton is exactly right. Last night on CBS Evening News, a top U.S. diplomat said that the State Department put out repeated warnings every three weeks to Americans in Afghanistan telling them to leave since April, even though many of them, by the way, were on the job in the U.S. Embassy. People chose not to leave, the diplomat said. That's their business. This is Ross Wilson, U.S. diplomat, saying that people chose not to leave. That's their business. In other words, they're victim-shaming the Americans who are still there, who, in you know, I will give him this, in their own ignorance and idiocy, believed Joe Biden. Because you do remember Joe Biden, right? About now seven weeks ago, Joe Biden declared to the nation that the nation of Afghanistan would not be overrun by the Taliban. That the likelihood of such an event is highly unlikely. This is what Joe Biden said in a nationally televised press conference. The Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, said the embassy would remain fully operational, meaning all of the Americans who worked for it had to stay there. Now they're saying, well, these American citizens who are going to be trapped behind enemy lines by the Taliban, well, they were told to leave, and they didn't. It's their fault. Victim blaming or victim shaming, whatever you want to call it, those individuals... And again, this is this is their fault. They believe Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, no, everything's going to be fine. When our troops pull out, the 300,000 Afghani forces who are still there will still be there to protect you. Uh, don't worry about it. The Taliban isn't going anywhere. They're not going to be coming through here and taking over. And so the American people in Afghanistan believed Joe Biden to their great detriment. The very fact that Joe Biden is sticking stubbornly to this August 31 deadline indicates that all it takes is for the Taliban or ISIS or Al-Qaeda to continue with these kind of threats to prevent hundreds if not thousands of Americans from being left behind enemy lines come Tuesday. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to happen on Tuesday because the Taliban is calling the shots. Not Joe Biden, not Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, not our Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley. Nope. The Taliban is deciding what happens in Afghanistan now. Not the mightiest military in the history of the world. And that's because the mightiest military in the history of the world has been weakened, has been neutered by Joseph R. Biden, the weakest and most ineffective commander-in-chief in in the history of this great country, at least since Jimmy Carter and probably beyond that. 1,500. As of Wednesday, that was the approximate count of Americans still in Afghanistan. 500 have been contacted, with about a 1,000 more being reached out to. Secretary Blinken says the military effort will wind down in under a week, and the Taliban has been warned to honor its commitment. And provide safe passage. For anyone who wishes to leave the country, not just for the duration uh, of our evacuation and relocation mission, but for every day thereafter. On the same day that Secretary of State Tony Blinken said, the Taliban has been warned, provide safe passage to let these people out of the country. At the very, on the very same day that Tony Blinken said that nonsense, the State Department issued this travel warning. Due to threats outside the Kabul airport, U.S. citizens should avoid traveling to the airport and avoid airport gates unless you receive instructions to do so. Those at the Abbey Gate, East Gate, or North Gate now should leave immediately. 
so much for your big warning to the Taliban that they must provide safe passage. Safe passage to an airport you are now telling Americans to flee. Where do they go from there? So much for Joe Biden's threats. The Taliban calls the shots. Joe Biden and Tony Blinken's demand that the civilians be led into the Kabul airport and, 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 uh, and allowed to evacuate. Here's the result. Westerners being beaten. Afghanis being executed. Despite all of the tongue-wagging of Joe Biden and of Tony Blinken, the bottom line here is that they are begging the Taliban in the same way that Joe Biden two weeks ago was begging OPEC, oil-producing nations, to ramp up their production so that our gas prices don't go too high because we cut our production here in the United States. So he's begging Middle Eastern oil-producing nations to save our bacon from his disastrous decisions. Now he's begging the Taliban to, to save our people. Again, in extreme jeopardy because of his disastrous decisions. Marco Rubio tweeted, The State Department admits 4,100 Americans still remaining in Kabul, alone, but claims some of them are deciding not to leave. This is a lie. Taliban isn't allowing American women through their checkpoints without a male guardian, and they are blocking non-citizen family members of U.S. citizens. So Rubio says 4,100. Blinken comes back and says 1,500. Doesn't matter if it's 1,500 or 15. If American citizens are still in Afghanistan against their will, they are going to be taken hostage, and Lord only knows what done to them by the Taliban the minute the last American troop pulls out on August 31st or earlier. And this, to me, is a complete dereliction of duty. This is an abdication of his office. If Joe Biden allows any Americans to be left behind, when he pulls the remaining troops out on August 31st because the Taliban tells him to, and make no mistake, it is exactly that. The Taliban is calling the shots. If he leaves one American behind after that, it has to be an impeachable offense. It has to rise to the level of high crime and misdemeanor. Because what higher crime is there than to literally break your oath of office to protect the people of this country, to provide them with safety and security? There is very little, if anything at all, more important than that. He cannot be allowed to continue to serve. And if you're looking for another reason, his cavalier attitude, his joking, his joking, as he left his ridiculous press statement yesterday, not a press conference, it wasn't a conference, because he took no questions, which is exactly the point. His joking with Peter Alexander of NBC News, who tried to ask him as he walked away, who tried to ask him, what are you going to do, sir, if there are Americans left behind? What are you going to do, sir, if when you pull out, there are Americans still in harm's way? And Joe Biden turned, walked away from the podium, and yelled back at Peter Alexander and said, you're the first person I'll call. Would not address the question seriously, and actually thought that cracking wise is appropriate at this point in time. In the middle of the worst 
foreign policy disaster since Saigon. The worst military evacuation since Saigon is maybe a better way to say that. This is probably the worst foreign policy disaster maybe ever because of the billions and billions of dollars in military equipment he has left behind on our bases that, yes, soon will be occupied by Taliban and, wait for it, China. Joe Biden cannot remain commander-in-chief of our military. He cannot remain president of this United, these United States. All right, I welcome your thoughts at 216 right here on The Answer. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander said, I asked President Biden what he'll do if Americans are still in Afghanistan after the 831 deadline. His response, you'll be the first person I call. Took no questions. Certainly did not take the situation seriously. Biden probably thinks that the Republicans... uh, won't make noise if citizens come home and legal residents and refugees are left behind. I think they're wrong. I think he's wrong, rather. I think we are going to make noise if anybody, particularly citizens, but also if legal residents and American allies are left behind. And I'm not saying we have to bring them to Cleveland. I'm not saying we have to bring them to the United States, but we need to bring them to a safe place where they will not be at the mercy of the Taliban. Because they will be killed and they will be tortured and their families, their women and children uh, will be sold into sex slavery and everything else that is certainly compliant with uh, terrorist uh, versions of Sharia law. Okay, let's go to Tom and Medina. Hey, Tom, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Um, I, am I allowed to mention another TV host I saw talk on the radio last I don't night? Know, I don't know. What, 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 what point do you want to make, Tom? I don't care where it came from. Well, okay, I I heard Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck's over in the Middle East. He, and and he's he's got three Middle East three countries in the Middle East were willing to accept uh people. And so so far they got twenty one hundred people out there. Twenty one people out of uh Afghanistan. And what they have to do is that this three countries he's working with they put, they spread them out between those three countries, and then they have to make arrangements. To t- once they get, let's say, seven hundred to each country, they got to move them somewhere else. What he said was, they they reached out to the to Macedonia to see if they would take one, and they said they would they would. Well, so before they could get a a, a plane, these people to Macedonia, the State Department said, no, you cannot take them there. And so that's what's happening in, over there. And the other thing is, if you watch that on the Blaze TV on YouTube, there, there's a guy named, uh, he works with the Nazarene Fund, and there's a guy who works with the Mighty Oak organization, Rumpenau. Okay, Tom, your your phone is breaking up. Tom, your phone is breaking up on me here. I'm going to have to cut you loose here. Uh, But listen, it is my belief that absolutely when it comes to Afghanis who are trying to flee persecution, Afghans who are trying to flee persecution in Afghanistan from the Taliban, the first option should absolutely be to go to a, a Muslim country in the region 
to go to another Muslim country in the region. And that should be the goal of the entire uh, American policy, foreign policy here. Um, now, if there are American allies who have saved the lives of Americans, and there are many of them, who are who wish to come to the United States, as long as there is a thorough and proper vetting process, I'm okay with a limited number of actual American allies, who or uh, Afghan allies, rather, who are working and tra- uh, translating, interpreting, and so on and so forth to help the U.S. in their efforts there. These people can come to the United States, again, after thorough vetting, but the vast majority should be relocated to other Muslim countries in the region where their cultures are the same and obviously where they will still be, a, uh, be free of persecution from the Taliban. Uh, Charlie and Westlake. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. I just appreciate your show so much. It's so important these days. Um, I have a premise that this isn't about his incompetence, Biden's incompetence. This is about greed, electric cars. Why didn't America, i I just finding this out, Afghanistan is sitting on more lithium than Saudi Arabia has oil. The, the whole future is lithium electric cars and i premise i my premise is that biden has sold us out for 50 pieces of silver he this isn't about incompetence it's about greed and he's getting he's taking us out because he made a deal with china and i really believe it's treachery way way more than incompetence um, I, I I believe there can be a little from column A and a little from column B. To be honest with you, um, I respond. And thanks for the call, Charlie. I got to get out here for news. Uh, if if lithium was the issue, and if Afghanistan has these massive lithium reserves uh, as part of you know the electric cars and the Green New Deal and so on and so forth, you would think he would not want to surrender our gains in Afghanistan. He would want to keep our troops there so that we could mine for that uh, and actually make the money ourselves. That's what I would think. But um, I'll have to give that more thought as time goes on. Right now, I need to get out for news and come back and we're going to talk to uh, an expert we're going to talk to somebody who's been there in afghanistan in iraq he was a member of delta force u.s uh, special ops intelligence analyst brett velokovich uh will be joining us next And then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. So for the last few weeks, they've been telling Americans, get to the airport. We can't come into Kabul to get you, said Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. We can't come into anywhere in Afghanistan to rescue you. But if you can make your way, you're on your own. To make your way to the airport, we'll fly you out of there. Until now. This reported threat of an imminent attack follows a pretty ominous warning coming from the U.S. Embassy. And that warning says this, due to threats outside the Kabul airport, U.S. citizens should avoid traveling to the airport. Those at the Abbey Gate, East Gate, or North Gate now should leave immediately. Now what do you call it, Jen Psaki? Those aren't stranded Americans. They've been told they can't be rescued, and they also can't find their way to the airport because there's going to be a terror attack there. What are they now, Jen Psaki? Joe Biden, Lloyd Austin. 
Joining us now with reaction to this and the entire catastrophe that is the American withdrawal from Afghanistan is a former U.S. Army Special Ops Intelligence Analyst. He is a uh, former Delta Force member, served multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He has a specialty in counterterrorism operations and drone strikes. Uh, Brett uh, Vilokovic, and I hope I'm not saying that incorrectly. I apologize, sir, but thank you so much for your time. Did I get it right? Yeah, you sure did. Good morning to you. Good. Glad glad to hear that. Thank you so much. So um, what is your reaction, sir, with you? And we're going to get into the bigger picture of this, but just specifically now to the uh, to the you know, the warning for Americans to stay away from the Karzai airport. He, we are four days now, five days away from the deadline established by the Biden administration and being enforced by the Taliban to get everybody out of there. And now in the last four or five days, we're being told, uh, you know, Americans are being told, you can't go to the airport. We can't get you out of there. Well, part of the problem is because there's a major threat right now at the airport from other groups, even outside the Taliban. And this whole situation just keeps getting worse and worse every day. Every single day, our credibility and influence around the world is diminished further because of this mess. You've got the Taliban's status has been elevated around the world, and they're almost seen as the gold standard now for terrorist groups. And so you've got these other terrorist groups that essentially are looking at them and looking for targets of opportunity and you've got these massive crowds of desperate people seeking to flee the Taliban rule and they've tried to access the Kabul the Kabul airport and unfortunately you know it it presents a target of opportunity for groups like uh, these ISIS affiliates to strike uh, you know innocent folks over there and it's just going to get worse and worse as we see it and so we're seeing a lot of new warnings from the U.S. government and other foreign governments as well for Americans to, to stay away from um, the airport because of these emerging threats. But unfortunately, with this deadline looming, I think we really, it it has to get extended because we can't just leave our stranded Americans out there. Well, there are members of Congress who are calling for an extension. There are members of the military that are calling for an extension. There are intelligence analysts saying we have to do something. Uh, We can't just leave. But the Taliban has told Joe Biden, you will pull out uh, on schedule on the 31st or there will be consequences. So let me just ask you directly, Brett Velokovich, um, uh, is the United States military now taking their marching orders from the Taliban? The, The sad situation here is that the Taliban are in control. And this is a direct reflection of the Biden administration and what they've done. I mean, the, the, the administration continues to not own this failure. You had BP Harris come out this morning in a press conference and talking about uh, you know, their, all their efforts to try and get more Americans out. But to me, it's just not, a, not enough. We've had so many veterans like myself who have been screaming at the top of our lungs that they needed to prepare for this inevitability of um, the Taliban taking over very quickly, and they just never listen. They never put in the proper contingency plans. And so I have absolutely no you know, feeling that the administration can, can handle this. And so come August 31st, what's going to happen is the country is going to continue to descend into further chaos. You know, I have friends that are out there right now trying to, trying to assist in the evacuation efforts, and uh, they've told me even at Kabul airport, you've got the Taliban that are in control of the air traffic control tower. So they're the ones that are literally deciding at this moment which planes are allowed to land, which planes are allowed to leave. They're taking even folks who have you know, visas and passport holders, and they're ripping them from the hands of, of a, you know, folks out there that are trying to get on these planes and then pretending that um, you know, they're, they're Afghan passport holders only and not letting them not letting them leave and it's just the situation is is continuing to get worse and worse and the truth is you know there's never going to be peace in afghanistan i understand overall the reason why we left 
but it was botched from the get-go. And um, this instability over there, it's just, I think eventually it's going to spill over to other countries and it's only a matter of time before we have to go back there and stomp down the Taliban or other groups. And it's going to continue this cycle over and over again for decades to come. Well, you know, that's uh, that's a great point to make, and that's a great question, is how many troops do we need to send in there right now? One of your fellow veterans, Dan Crenshaw, who's in Congress from Texas, said that our policy to the Taliban here must be to, and I'm quoting, go F themselves, tell them to go F themselves, although he he, he used the entire word, I believe, uh, on Twitter. And that is to say, we we are not pulling our troops out, and in fact, if we have to put more in until we get every American evacuated from, uh, you know, behind enemy lines there, whether they be contractors or diplomats or or whatever, um, until we get everybody out, we want to get out. There is no deadline. We are calling the shots here. Do you think that sending in 6,000 troops, which we did, which, by the way, it sounds like they're there, but their hands are zip-tied. They're not allowed to actually go into uh, Kabul or anywhere else in Afghanistan and actually rescue Americans and escort them past checkpoints into the uh, evacuation zones at the, uh, at the airport. So should we send in more and actually let them do their jobs the way i feel is we are a superpower and we need to act like one and we're not acting like one at this moment we're we're letting the taliban call the shots and that's a complete joke i mean you've got the head of the cia meeting with the leader of the taliban as if he's some sort of you know government official out there that should you know that they should have these meetings with i mean it's we are a superpower and we need to get in there and the fact is for a while we only had a couple thousand special forces special operations troops in there, and they were the ones that were really protecting the entire country, um, backed by a major air superiority and aircraft out there. And that really, when you think about it, that was primarily all that was needed to hold hold the country. And you know, obviously, our air superiority was is incredible, and so they can back those at the time the Afghan fighters from stopping the Taliban from taking over. But now that this this whole deadline was put out, and we started removing our ability to have intelligence and and our eyes and ears on the ground, it's making it difficult um, to perform that mission. And so so I do think we need to have more uh, troops in there. I don't think there needs to be this large contingent. I I think you can put in special operations troops that are, that are very, you know, incredible at what they do and they can hold a lot of this terrain and sort of break that backlog, uh, you know, that's happening in, in Kabul and break that bottleneck and get people out of other countries. And you let the Taliban know, Hey, if you if you try and attack these locations or you attack the folks that we're trying to get out, um, there's going to be some serious consequences. And I don't personally think that the Taliban has any incentive to keep Americans uh, in the U.S. because the, the more Americans that they get out of there, frankly, the the quicker it is for them to sort of instill this tyranny and this autocracy and this hardline Islamic rule. So. Um, I think people aren't really doing a lot of critical thinking in, in terms of the Taliban want Americans out of They don't want to have this mess on the world stage um, where, you know, this potential of more troops coming in in larger numbers. They want complete and utter control. And so we need to, again, we need to act like a superpower and, and stop, stop asking for permission for the Taliban to, to you know, help us out. Uh, Brett uh, Velikovich is our guest. He is a former U.S. Army Special Operations Intelligence Analyst, Delta Force member, served multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. What are we going to do when in two months, three months, however many months or weeks it is, uh, we start seeing American citizens showing up on television in Afghanistan being held by uh, the Taliban. Uh, because right now we're, there's anywhere between 1,500 and 4,000, according to which moment Tony Blinken is speaking, the uh, Secretary of State, 
Um, if we get out and these people are left behind, they're going to be taken captive. They're going to be taken hostage as hostages, and we're going to start to see horrific things happening to them on camera, and it's going to be on uh, on the Internet, and it's going to be on television, and there's going to be a cry from the American people to get these people out of there. Do you think that the current administration and that the current Defense Department would be willing to go back in and get these people? When it comes to American citizens that are hostages around the world, just you should know that they're never forgotten about, and there's always an effort to get them. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter if they're in Somalia or Iran or Afghanistan. Every single one of these Americans are on a list somewhere, and there are efforts, no matter how long it takes, literally could take years um, or just months to get them back. They are always, always accounted for, and there are always efforts to try and get them back. So, um they, you know, no matter what administration it is, they'll, they'll continue to do that. My my largest concern is, is I think, something even worse than the Taliban holding uh, hostages, and that is these other groups, smaller groups that are in there that are even considered as rivals to the Taliban, but have a more hardline stance and absolutely will take Americans hostage and parade them around cameras or conduct suicide bombing attacks. And, and there's this group, for instance, called uh, ISIS-K that a lot of people are talking about this morning on the news. Yeah. And ISIS-K is this what's called this Khorasan branch of the Islamic State. They're basically a bunch of Taliban fighters that splintered off back in 2014 and pledged allegiance to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi's group, the, the former ISIS leader. And in many ways, they're considered rivals of the Taliban, and they look for opportunities to exploit this instability and strike. And right now, there's a major threat, of, uh, which is one of the reasons they're telling people to stay away from, from Kabul, is that um, they're looking to conduct potentially a, a suicide bombing attack against Americans or try and breach those gates. And those, that's, the, that's a big issue to me, because now you've got this multitude of these terrorist organizations vying for power, finding these targets of opportunity. You've got all these weapons out there now. I mean, it's, it's like this you know, garage sale, state-of-the-art weaponry and technology because all this tech has been left behind that I feel like could fall into their hands. And not to mention you've got a lot of training over the years that have been provided, and we just don't know what the future looks like, and that's the, that's the problem. I mean, we're, we, should, we, should, we should have people over there that help us understand, um, to, to help us know what we don't know. And, and unfortunately, we've pulled back so much of our troops and intel capability that uh, we, um, we don't know what the future looks like. See, what concerns me, uh, and I understand what you mean when you say that, you know, there is always the attitude uh, among the American military and among all administrations, no matter who's in charge, that there's no man left behind and we will always be working, whether it be behind the scenes or whatever, to get Americans who are being held by by enemies out. Um, I'm trying to figure out why the hell we just don't prevent it in the first place. Why try to get them out later? Why do we have 6,000 troops on the ground right now who were sent back in after the 2,500 remaining were taken out? Why don't we let them loose? Why don't we let them loose and go in there? Lloyd Austin said directly last week, we're not going to go in and get these people out of there. You got to make your way to the airport. And if you do, we'll give you a ride home. Why aren't we, why are we waiting until later on have to go out and go in and try to rescue hostages? Why don't we stop them from being taken while we're there? Well, we're so reactive to this stuff instead of being proactive. You're exactly right. I, I'm, I'm scratching my head about um, General Austin and, and Millie lately. I don't, I don't understand because these guys these guys are warriors, and I'm not normally in the business of disagreeing with military officials, but these guys know better than this, and they know better than to repeat history, and it's painful to watch them at these press conferences. It almost feels like 
they've got these marching orders from powers above them, and I'm talking the upper echelons of the Biden administration that are telling these flag officers to stick to the talking points. And because I, I just can't imagine that these guys truly feel inside that they shouldn't be doing everything they can to stop Americans from being taken hostage or get Americans evacuated as quickly as possible. And I just feel like they're being told to stay quiet by the Biden administration, some sort of communication strategy, because it's just disgraceful what's happening over there. Last question for you, Brett. How serious is the threat of these ISIS-K fighters, al-Qaeda fighters, Taliban, uh, people working on their behalf? Uh, how serious is the threat of them getting into the United States, considering all they've got to do is find passage to Mexico, and once they get there, they can just walk across the border unmolested and given free bus rides or plane rides into whatever city they choose to terrorize next? It's, it's very serious. Look, there are a lot of people around the world that want to do us harm. I don't think Americans necessarily know the threats that we face, and there's a lot of groups that are looking for every opportunity to exploit gaps in our border to exploit gaps in our, our foreign policy. And um, we've seen situations, I've seen situations before where you have had terrorist groups try and come across the border and, and who knows, all it takes is just one to get across, right? That's all it takes is just one to get across to be able to wreak havoc. And now that you've got Afghanistan, uh, again, descending into chaos, you've got these groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda and you got to remember the Taliban and Al Qaeda's relationship. They they predate this war. They go back. They fought together. You know, they fought together against the Russians. The, you know, the, you've got these lower level fighters who um, they're not going to turn their backs on people that they grew up fighting with in the mountains of Afghanistan. Even though the Taliban are out there saying, "No, we're not going to bring back Al Qaeda." I mean, that's just that's just a total joke. And I think eventually what will happen is they'll create this breeding ground to plan for foreign attacks. And it, you know it. Unfortunately, I think we'll we'll see another situation further down the line where um, you know we do see a, an attack either potentially on American soil or at least um, you know just terrible to think about it. But you know in a in a country where um, you know at an embassy or Americans or um, they're operating, and I just I hate to see that. And I think that's the importance of keeping a small contingent of troops in places like Afghanistan. I mean, we've done that in almost every single war we've ever been in Korea and the Philippines and Germany. We still have contingents of troops there to this day. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet we didn't do it in Afghanistan. I don't understand that either. I've complained about that and I know I'm in a small minority here of people who say we ought to stay there and it doesn't mean we fight a forever war. It means this you know I've said this to a number of guests. You know, we don't call it a forever war because we still have troops in Japan or in Germany and Korea. We don't say we're not in in constant states of war. We're there to deter aggressive actions by other uh, potentially dangerous uh, uh uh individuals and and uh, militaries in the regions. There is nothing wrong with keeping that force there for that purpose. Uh last question for you before you go and I'm not asking you to be overly partisan here, but you have been critical in your commentary of Joe Biden calling it weak and weak and effective leadership and so on and so forth. Is it your opinion, Brett Velikovich, that if Donald Trump was still the commander in chief, we would not be in this mess? I I personally think that's the case. I mean, look at some of you know the old tweets of um, the president when he came to Iran. I mean, he, this region understands strength and power. Okay, people have to understand that. And it, the one thing that President Trump did is he he threw out a strength. And even if it was it was something as simple as putting a message out on social media to the Iranian government saying you t- you attack an American, just wait and see what happens. That shows strength and that 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 confuses people that people are not con- these countries are not confused about Joe Biden's policies right now. They know that 
that the administration is cowering to these terrorist groups and has this sort of whistle pass diplomacy where they just want to go to sleep and wake up and pretend there aren't people that want to do us harm. And this whole operation, it was just botched from the get-go. And I have absolutely no confidence in the upper echelons of the Biden administration to respond to now what I think has become the lar- one of the largest humanitarian operations of our time. And so we we need somebody in the in office who is strong and projects America's strength and superiority, and we don't have that right now. Well, you know, you know, it's bad when uh, when the water carriers for the Biden administration on CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times and elsewhere have criticized him repeatedly over the course of the last week or two since this began. Uh, you know, it's bad when they turn on you. And that's exactly where we sit. Brett Velikovich, former U.S. Army Special Ops Intelligence Analyst, Delta Force. Thank you so much for your great opinions and analysis of the situation, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless. All right, 953, we'll take a quick time out and come back. If you want to get a call in, this is a great chance to do it. Dr. Piper's coming up after the top of the hour. So now dial 216-901-0945. On the streets of hate, where the devil dies, who knows what Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 9.58. Let's uh, check in with Paul in Eastlake. Hey, Paul, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Yeah, Bob, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I keep hearing about all these Americans that are trapped over in Afghanistan, and i like to know, they've been warned, forewarned since last spring, somewhere in March, it's getting dangerous, and it should be getting out. So my question is, don't they bear some responsibility we're waiting this long and waiting till the last minute and then try to uh, get out. I think they should have started earlier. Uh, no, I don't think so. Because, you know, it's not like there's vacationers over there. It's not like these are mom and pop and, and the kids are, are taking a trip to Kabul for a vacation. These are people who are there working and they're listening to their commander in chief or the commander in chief. And, you know, President Biden literally said as recently as, as, as seven weeks ago, that, no, the Taliban's not going to overrun this area. No, you don't need to, to worry about it. The likelihood of that, according to our intelligence sources, is, quote, very, or I'm sorry, not very, highly. Highly unlikely is exactly what he said. So you got contractors, you got diplomats who are actually working for the State Department. Um, they don't just have the freedom to leave if they choose, especially if they're being told by the, the head guy, uh, you know, no, you're going to be fine here. Our troops are here, and when our troops aren't here, we've got security forces from the Afghans that we've trained. They're going to keep you safe. This is what they were told, and so they follow the they follow the directive of the commander in chief. And now it's their fault. Yeah, well, Bob, they were warned since March that you know what that the State Department mentioned it's a dangerous situation. You should start you should start thinking about getting out of there. So I think they had a lot of time. You know, to really no, get well, out. Here, here, here's what I would say then, and, and Paul, and, and this is the important part. Thanks for the call. If what you're saying is true, and what I'm saying is true. And it's entirely possible that both are true. It just underscores the chaotic cluster blank that is the Biden administration. Because that means that the people there were getting mixed messages. If they were getting warned in March to start thinking about getting out, and literally as recently as August, the month we're in right now, Joe Biden is saying, no, you don't have to worry about getting out because it's safe here. Um, you know, the Taliban isn't going to overrun anything here. Well, then what are people to do? 
I mean, seriously, if they're getting two different versions of the story from the Biden administration, if you're, what you're saying is right, and I didn't hear that in March, I'll take you at your word, but I know what I heard from Joe Biden on July 8th, and I know what I heard from him two weeks ago. So, again, it's just the chaos that comes with weak, ineffectual leadership. That's what we're witnessing right now. Thank you for the call, my friend. 10 o'clock, we'll come back with Dr. Piper next, AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 